We have to do a better job as an industry to reach out to all of these diverse communities because, quite frankly, they make us more relevant in our profession. John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. Nicole Corning is a published author, podcaster, blogger, former political strategist, and a managing partner with Buckman and Corning Financial Strategies Group. She also happens to be our top advisor by participant outcomes for the month of April. Among other topics, she joins us to discuss a particular retirement plan case that, while successful, was extremely educational and, in her words, humbling. Nicole, it was this case that got you noticed by our team as a TAPO. What was it? Yeah, um, it's it was a unexpected experience, and it was it was deeply emotional. I had a uh, prospect. This was years ago in 2013, and we were uh, meeting with them, uh, talking about fees, talking about extra service, all the usual, right? When you're when you're pitching a prospect, and I felt like we were hitting on just about every need, but I felt like something was holding them back. There was something else that that could really just solidify uh, the the their wanting to make a move to us. And so I kept probing and there was a woman on the committee. She was, um, I believe, a payroll specialist, but she was junior in HR. And she's, I said, you know, if there's something that you could have, what would you, what would you want? If, the, if you could ask for anything on your 401k plan, what would you want? And she said, we would like someone who speaks our language. And how many times do we walk into clients that have, you know, a big Spanish pop- speaking population where we it's it's of course something that we offer right up front. This happened to be a tribal plan. Okay. And and we forget sometimes that that tribal plans uh are, you know, t- uh tribal land, tribal plans, they are sovereign I, they are sovereign entities. They are they are not just U.S. entities. They have their own language. They have their own government system. Um, they have their uh, very own unique culture. And I just had that hit my head moment where I realized, wow, I, I wasn't I wasn't meeting them where they were at. I really was uh, was blind to this very basic need and and quite frankly not some kind of diva request that they were making. Yeah, no, understood. So how did that lead to a better connection and trust? Can you be a little bit more specific? Yes, yeah, so we went out and actually uh so when I said we can accommodate that, we went out and recruited a um uh, a, a Navajo translator um and uh and vetted her and I will say for me, it wasn't just the language. It was her helping me understand culturally before we'd give any presentations to participants, before we would send out any communications, running it through her filter because there were so many uh, nuances to their amazing culture that I simply was clueless about. And things like, uh, well, there aren't a lot of words in Navajo to, to discuss the financial topics that we were going to discuss. That's Um, fascinating. Yeah. They don't, uh, in general, like to talk about death. It's kind of taboo. You know, you're kind of like bringing it on or inviting it. So how do you talk about beneficiary forms? Um, 
So yeah, there were just all kinds of nuanced differences that, that really were, uh, I was, I was, uh, I felt very privileged to learn about. It's crucial in your words to elevate their needs above what you're trying to do that for them as the professional. What do you mean by that? Well, I think as financial professionals, as as a whole, we are very confident in what we think is best for our clients. And it was a humbling experience to walk into an organization where I had just as much to learn about them and their culture and and integrate it into the plan to make it uh, useful for them as they had to learn from me about financial um you know, anything to do with retirement or financial well-being. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's as financial professionals, we always think we're the expert and we, you know, we're highly educated. We are experts. But when we realize we're really behind the eight ball and we don't, we, we need to play catch up, uh, that doesn't happen too often to us, um, or at least for me. And that was a humbling experience. Do you think it's just that too often we think we know what they need and don't really listen to them? I do think that is the case. And I I try and and I feel like I'm one of those people who's good at trying to be empathetic and trying to understand what the client needs. Sure. The emotional intelligence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you had asked me, like, hey Nicole, do you think you have emotional intelligence? I'd be like, yes. Uh I have I have tons of it. I have tons of it. And I, you know, and then when I had that light bulb moment, like, God, I had this huge blind spot I wasn't even aware of. And of course, that is incredibly important to you that you would want someone to, if you're going to have someone come in and you're going to present them to your community, you want them to understand the community. You want them to respect the community. You want them to be able to engage with the community. So yeah, it was, it's interesting. (laughs) Yep, that's great. Switching gears, you're heavily involved in diversity and inclusion efforts within the advisor industry, specifically with women. Are we finally making strides with female leadership and representation? I would like to think that we are. I think we have in we've definitely shifted the dialogue and the um, and sh- and shown a spotlight on the need. You know, we still are sitting at about seventeen percent of advisors are women. We've been there for quite some time. And I think that at least shifting the conversation, having these resources and tools and doing specific outreach to bring more women and people of color into the industry is going to help change that. But it's it's like t- turning the Titanic. You know, it, it, it is not going to happen overnight. There's no uh, one size fits all answer there. Again, you have to meet each of these communities where they're at. Um, we have to do a better job as an industry to reach out to all of these diverse communities because, quite frankly, they make us more relevant in our profession and in the work that we do. Are you encouraged by some of the initiatives you're seeing, though? Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Because I mean, let's think, let's face it. Ten years ago, uh, ten years ago, I don't think we had that these just, we, it wasn't even something we discussed in finance. You know, as a woman in finance 10 years ago, I was just trying to, uh, you know, fit in more and kind of mold myself, shape myself into the mold of a financial advisor. And I was just talking to another female advisor, a very good friend of mine. And we were saying like, you know, but we're the kind of women that 
people don't really shut us up easily, right? We don't we don't take no for an answer, but uh, it it can't be that just the the outspoken of uh, of of these groups are are making their way in, right? It needs to we need to create more inclusivity, and I think we have to do that by specifically talking about it and and doing outreach because it's we don't we don't need to say that financial services are primarily for men or for for white people because that's just what we look like right like we like when i would take my sons into a financial advising office that i used to work out of you know there are 52 people there most of the people in the offices were men and most of the women who are serving them or almost all the women were outside you know in a, in a ca role which I'm not knocking being a CA. I'm just saying I don't. I wouldn't have to say to my sons like, "Oh, it's and and everyone." I think you know, with very few exceptions, we're white, right? So I never have to. We don't. We have to do a better job about talking about what we want to see happen, and that we want to create an inclusive environment, and that there is a place. There is a place for women. There are are places for people of color because we don't. We still don't reflect that, and it's daunting. Um. To walk into that situation, we can't just be the bossy girls that me and my friend were, and bossy is a terrible word, trying to get rid of that, but we can't just be assertive women. Um, It can't just be the assertive ones stay in the room, right? Even the ones who uh, have more quiet leadership type qualities, they should feel comfortable being in the room too. Understood. Uh, Nicole, what got you noticed as a TAPO? I mean, what sets your firm apart? What do you do better than the others in your area? Well, I would have said uh, empathy and emotional intelligence. There you go. <laughs> uh, but I would say that we, um, I, you know, we we do all the things that all the other firms do. I would say that we truly do care, which I know is so kind of you know everyone says that, but we. And we do really have a focus in the small and mid-sized plan space because that's where we see that we bring the most value. We really love to get involved with our clients um, into how their entire organization is working and where we can support through the 401k or bring in um, other type of tools to help them with uh, struggles that they have in their business, You know, such as the great resignation or the great reshuffling. Um, we're having a lot of conversation about non-qualified deferred comp plans. You know, if you can, if, you, if you're recruiting and retaining is the hardest problem you're facing right now, and that's what many of our clients are facing, um, here's a tool um, that might help. So we, we really like to dig in with our clients, understand what they're doing and, um, and support them in all of their efforts. Nicole Corning, that is exactly what we needed. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I appreciate you uh, offering to bring me on. And uh, it's always a treat to talk with you. Thanks so much. 